When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly, welcome to another edition of Cyber Law and Business Report, um, broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in the heart of Silicon Beach in downtown Santa Monica. Um, please be seated. we got a great show for you today. And um, while we're in session, we're going to be talking to um, none other than Vera Ranieri. And um, she is um, one of the, the many people we've talked to at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, who's been a great friend of our show. Uh, we're going to be talking about the EFS recent victory in the podcast Patent War, and we'll tell you more about what that war is. Second half, we're going to be talking a little bit about news updates. We've been talking a lot about the um, the gender trial that just finished in um, San Francisco and um, the fallout from that, Well, and the fact that there are other gender cases coming. Um, now there's a new um, ism that seems to be... Um, under attack in Silicon Valley, and that is ageism. And there's an age discrimination suit that's been filed against Google. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, um, Vera, are you with us? Good morning. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, Vera is a staff attorney with Electronic Frontier Foundation's intellectual property team. And um, isn't there it's a Mark Cuban chair? Is that the, the section you work with? Yes. So uh, there are two of us here at Electronic Frontier Foundation that work on primarily on patent reform. Uh, and my colleague, Daniel Nazer, is the proud owner of the uh, or proud seat in the Mark Cuban chair to eliminate stupid patents. That's a great name. It is. <laughs> it also happens to be very Mark Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's right next to the Ministry of Silly Walks. But any event, you got involved in um, what is one of the more infamous um, patent troll cases, and um, that got a lot of publicity, um, partly because some of the targets of this troll involves a patent held by James Logan, um, someone who's never even podcasted. Um, explain, explain his patent and what, what exactly his claim was. Sure. So the patent, who's actually the owner now, is uh, Personal Audio, and it was the the first named inventor was James Logan, who started a company back in uh, 1996, and they filed this patent. And what the patent says is essentially that they claim to have invented, uh, and I'm going to say this in a you know non legal way, but essentially what they claim to have invented is a web page where if you had a new episode of a radio show, of a TV show, of pretty much any sort of serialized content, uh, you would update that web page 
in order to show a new link to the new file with that new episode. And uh, so you, you as the listener, you could go to that web page, the same web page, and get the new content as it becomes available. And so they claim to have invented this in 1996. You mentioned that you know, he did. He formed a company um, that that holds the patent. Um, he lives in New Hampshire, and the company was formed in Beaumont, Texas, I believe. Yes, it is a uh, Texas LLC. Mm-hmm. And th- and there's a reason why. Um, well, there, there, there can't be very many reasons why someone from New Hampshire would go to Beaumont, Texas. But in this case, in particular, there's one very good reason. And that is the Eastern District of Texas, uh, which currently has about 25% of all patent cases in the country are currently in the Eastern District of Texas. And my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, is is there's a couple of reasons for that. One, they have a very um, friendly jury um, to plaintiffs and judges who are very unlikely to grant motions to dismiss or summary summary judgment. So cases... um, most likely will go to a jury. Yes, so that's that's one of, I think, the appeal of the Eastern District of Texas to a lot of patent owners who have weak claims and bad patents is that the judges in the Eastern District of Texas seem to have shown themselves to be very reluctant to grant any sort of motion to dismiss any and motions for summary judgment. In fact, they, they have implemented a procedure where they require permission to file a summary judgment motion and will not let the parties file summary judgment unless the judge grants it. And they don't issue any reasons why, generally why they decide not to grant it. And this pushes the parties towards trial. And if, if you're a patent holder with a weak patent and weak claims, you want this to go to trial. You are more likely to win uh, if you go to trial, and also the settlement pressure really increases. Um, as I'm sure your audience is aware, uh, patent litigation can be extremely expensive uh, within the 2 to $5 million range if it goes to trial. So if your patent is pretty weak and you're asking for $500,000 to settle the case, business pressures often mean that a defendant, even though they don't infringe or the patent is invalid, might settle the case to save the cost of going to trial. And um, let's touch on why a patent litigation is so expensive. What about it renders that? Is it because of the nature of the experts involved or because of the actually you have to have this, this procedure where you review the claims with the court? There, There's quite a few factors that uh, lead to the expense in patent litigation. One of the largest factors is discovery costs. In the Eastern District of Texas, They don't require any sort of request for discovery. The parties are supposed to produce anything that's relevant to the claims. And if the claim is on something that touches the uh, entire business, so for example, with CBS, when Personal Auto was suing CBS, the claims were to CBS's websites for their various videos. Something that is relevant to that can be pretty broad and that can lead to hundreds and thousands hundreds of thousands to millions of pages of documents being produced and that is a huge cost uh, it requires review by attorneys generally it requires storage and cataloging and th- these sorts of discovery costs are can be massive another part of the large cost that comes in with patent litigation is like you mentioned expert fees every patent case almost is going to have 
multiple experts on both sides, damages, invalidity, infringement. These all generally require experts and experts, their fees can be pretty steep. And so that, that is so right that because you always hear as soon as you get served with a patent suit, you, you know, you, your, your checkbook is talking seven figures. Yes. In terms of what this will cost. Okay. So um, we have this, um, you have this patent holder with a very nice hometown of Beaumont um, <laughs> that has a home court advantage. And he starts suing um, Apple, CBS. And then uh, tell me what happened with Adam Carolla. So what we understand is that Personal Audio started sending letters to small podcasters, people who are broadcasting out of their basements, out of their garages, people who broadcast not to make money, but because they enjoy doing it. And Personal Audio started to send letters to these small podcasters. And now for many people, this would be the first time they've ever even heard of patent infringement. And when a letter comes threatening a lawsuit, a federal lawsuit, in Texas, which was often very far from people's homes, and with giant, with massive fees, uh, when when if someone receiving this letter spoke to a lawyer, one of the first things that lawyer would say is it's really expensive. People get really scared, and it's it's really hard to defend yourself, even if you think you've done nothing wrong, and even if in fact you have done nothing wrong. The ability to prove that. To get to that point is just so expensive for people that they will often just pay the patent owner to go away. I have to say, I think my reaction wouldn't be it's expensive. My reaction would be it's in friggin' Beaumont. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. But any event, so but one of the people they went after was Adam Carolla. Yes. And um, and he decided not to roll over. Right. Um, right. So Adam Carolla. Um, you know, we, we, we didn't represent Adam Carolla. So, you know, I, this is all from what I understand from the public is that he decided to fight and he refused to back down and he raised money from his listeners, uh, who seemed very devoted, uh, given how much money he raised, uh, and decided to fight back and personal audio. Once they found out how much money Adam Carolla was making and that Adam Carolla wasn't going to back down, uh, they made what I think is probably a settlement that Adam Carolla couldn't refuse and uh, dismissed all the claims against him. But they, he kept alive his counterclaim against them for invalidity. And then so um, this we're now in our fifth season of our show. And when we first started, um, one of the issues we dealt with was the um, patent reform um, law from a couple of years back that created a post-review procedure for patents. Mm-hmm. Um, could you explain that for us? Sure. So the, there's a few programs at, at the patent office, and the program, the particular post-grant review program that we used was called inter partes review. And that's a lot of Latin words to say, go to the patent office and uh, have a procedure between somebody saying your patent is invalid and the patent owner. So there's an actual adversarial procedure uh, between here. What happened was that EFF filed a petition uh, for inter partes review, claiming that the patent was invalid because of the prior art. And to do that, we had to pay filing fees, which amounted to $22,000. We fortunately got 
um, pro bono counsel to help us with our petition. And so our legal fees were minimal, but we also had an expert um, and we had to gather all this information, spend a, quite a bit amount of time um, in preparing our petition. We filed it. And in the end, uh, just a few weeks ago, the patent office agreed with us that the patent personal audio held was in fact not new and uh, non-novel and they shouldn't have been granted in the first place. And and you produced evidence, I think, showing prior examples of this very technology in use. Correct. Um, and they tried to dance around that and I believe wasn't the patent office somewhat incredulous with some of their contentions? There was. There were certain arguments that were uh, pretty um, unbelievable, if I'll, I'll say to me. So for, for one example, um, the personal audio argued that our piece of prior art, which was a uh, master's thesis from MIT, which described a program where CNN uh, would put their video clips from their news up on the web for students to view. Mm-hmm. And uh, personal audio argued that having a web page available over the internet wouldn't inform people that there was a server on the other side of that web page, that people wouldn't realize that a server was on the other side. And, you know, my background, I have a bit of a computer science background, but not not completely. Um, but in as of 1996, the idea that a web page came to you without a server. I, I don't think anybody would agree that with that. And fortunately, the patent office didn't either. Well, there's all this literature about floating floating web pages. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. They disappear in the sky. Um, yeah. So yes, um, that that what that some, does seem somewhat incredulous. So you, what happened at the patent office is that they found that some of the claims, and a patent is something that you have make multiple claims. Were all the claims found to be invalid or just some of the claims? So we challenged only claims 31 through 35. And and we picked those claims because these were the claims that personal audio was asserting against small podcasters. Okay. Um, So we invalidated all the claims that we challenged. And so we were very glad uh, to have the patent office agree with that. Um, But there are more claims. But because of the way patents work, uh, personal audio if they want to assert against other people, they'd have to make the argument that what a podcaster is doing is also encompassed by some other claim now. And they can't, they can no longer use claims 31 through 35 to go after podcasters. And is there any likelihood they may do that? Unfortunately, what we've seen is that Personal Audio has actually filed for more patents on podcasting. They have not yet issued Um, I would like to be clear, and the Patent Office has so far rejected personal audio's claims, uh, and we hope that the Patent Office continues to do that, Uh, but we have seen that personal audio is still trying to get more claims. And so we we are watching that, and, uh, you know, we're keeping an eye on that, um, and we hope that the Patent Office doesn't allow the claims. Mindful that um, your boss holds the the distinguished chair of... of (laughs) Stupid, invalidating stupid patents. Um, how much do you think um, personal audio has made o- over the years on this patent? So that's that's a that's a tricky question. A lot of 
patent assertion happens in the shadows without um, any sort of public record of what is going on. And even when there is a public record, settlements are often uh, confidential. So we know that personal audio on a related patent, um, not the patent that we challenged, but with a different one, won a jury trial of approximately, I think it was $8 million uh, against Apple. And that was a few years ago. Um, they they settled that case after uh, before an appeal. And so there something happened. And personal audio a few years ago also had sued several other companies. Now, did they settle with CBS? Uh, so CBS is still going, uh, but okay. they did settle with Fox and NBC. So I would say that personal audio has probably made in the millions. And given- for and for a piece of paper that um, that actually now is mostly invalid. So the yeah the the settlement with Apple was on a different patent, but for the the claims against Fox and NBC, uh, those were the claims that have now been invalidated. And so it it is possible that. Personal audio made over a million dollars um, for patent claims that are now that have now been held invalid. Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about more about patent trolls and the podcast patent battle after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlawn Business Report only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly but building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb ready to make your new website or replace your existing website think orange as the new way to get in the black orange hill development works with fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge brands like absolute carlsberg and nestle trust orange hill development find out why you should trust your website with orange hill contact orange hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit spyfu.com. That's S-P-Y-F-U.com. And Start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. We're talking to Renary about um, her victory with the um, podcast patent... Um, review procedure in which they were able to invalidate um, what seemed to be quite a dubious patent and it's consistent with the mission of the chair for invalidating stupid patents. In terms of, there, in terms of the, the patents that you've, you've had to look at, 
in in this context, um, in terms of some of the, the trolling patents, how bad is this one in particular? This one was pretty bad. Um, it at at base, as I described it, they were claiming to own a web page that was updated to add new content, and that's not something that, as of nineteen six nineteen ninety six should have ever been patented. What we see in a lot of patents is that there are confusing words used or words added that are superfluous. And and what this does is tends to obfuscate what uh, the patentee is generally claiming. And, And part of that is, I think that that ends up with people getting patents they never should be able to get. But there are a lot of patents out there that are not, um, that are, essentially facially ridiculous. Uh, When I was in private practice, we had a patent owner who claimed to own the idea of a confirmation screen. Uh, So if you were moving $200 from your checking account to your savings account, and before you move it, it says, are you sure? Do you want to move this money? And you click OK. They claimed to own the idea of that. Are you sure? Do you want to move this money? Click OK screen. And that, that is just not something that I think our patent system should be rewarding. These trivial and um, almost meaningless, I don't even want to call them inventions. And, and right. personal audio's patent was kind of along those lines. What is the next step? You've won. Is, is this over or is there now, can they, they can appeal to the federal circuit or? Federal, or sorry, yes, the personal audio uh, can appeal. Uh, they haven't yet, uh, but they still have some time. Um, no, and uh, so we're kind of waiting and seeing whether they will appeal or not. And of course, if they do appeal, we will uh, be there and vigorously uh, defend the decision of the patent office. Now, you know, obviously, with having the, the, the Mark Cuban share, um, this is a, a big part of what you guys are doing. Um, is it? Are you? Is your focus primarily in litigation, or I? I, I believe I'm talking to your boss about on the show about actually legislation to curb patent trolls. Yes. So actually, today and. Rumors are within uh, 20 minutes. Uh, the Senate is actually expected to introduce a patent reform bill. Uh, so we have been eagerly waiting that. Uh, there was an attempt last year uh, to introduce legislation. Unfortunately, uh, it died before it was able to pass. But we are very hopeful that this year we can see some patent reform legislation. And that would be addressing things like the issues in the Eastern District of Texas. And it would be addressing uh, things like the the extreme costs that the parties are expected to bear in patent litigation. And so we are, we are eagerly anticipating the, the bill uh, and, you know, and hope that it provides some relief for people who have been accused of infringing stupid patents that never should have issued. And the, the legend, I hope you have some funny acronym because a lot of the bills <laughs> do, but um, I can only imagine with, with considering your, your, the, the endower of your chair, but um Last year, it, it, it did pass the Senate, but it, it died in the House. But you know, there's an interesting argument being made, actually, that you could become the victim of your own success because of the success of procedures like what you did, the uh, inter-party review, because of the recent Supreme Court decision in Alice that you know basically has um, now been used to invalidate some you know, number of dubious patents. There's a question about 
how viable trolls are in today's environment? And do you even need the legislation? Yes. So that, that's a very good question. You know, we, we were very happy to see the Alice decision and it has done a lot of good uh, in that it helps uh, the mid-sized companies uh, better defend themselves very easily. But unfortunately, it still doesn't do quite enough for the small companies. And I say that because a motion on, a, on an analysis motion, for example, might cost from seventy-five dollars to $100,000 in legal fees. And so that for a small company is still too much money. Right. And so we need to still, we need to have better procedures in place so that decisions on things like whether the patent actually claims patentable subject matter can be decided quickly and cheaply. And we hope that uh, impending uh, impending, uh, legislation can help relieve some of the pressures on the smaller companies. And and so will the new, what is it that the new legislation will do that will make it cheaper? So, well, you know, I'm speculating here because I haven't actually seen it. That's true. Um, <laughs> we have another 15 minutes before it, it to drop. Who is, who is the sponsor? Is it I, Leahy? I, I believe it is Leahy, um, okay. but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, what we hope it will do is that it will contain some of the discovery costs that happen and encourage courts to better get to merits decisions quickly and cheaply rather than waiting and delaying like we've seen in the Eastern District of Texas. Uh, we'd like to see merits decisions happen faster where there are these issues where is this patent even valid under under Supreme Court case law, that those get decided quickly and easily and they don't get delayed, which leads to the settlement pressure on the defendants. And um, how confident are, are they? Or is your team about possible passage in this Congress? So we're we're hopeful. Um, you know, the there has been pushback from uh, the patent uh, owner space, um, but we're hopeful that this legislation can be seen as benefiting everybody. Keeping costs down should be a goal, whether you are a patent owner or a patent defendant. The costs are just crazy right now, and, and we hope that patent owners can recognize that keeping costs down is good for everyone. If you have a legitimate patent with legitimate claims of infringement, you should be hoping for lower costs because that also keeps helps save you money. And so we're hopeful that we can see support from both patent owners and patent defend, defendants on the bill that comes out. No, I, I started my career in Washington, and while... While I was in law school, I was actually working for a lobbyist in um, on K Street and, and Pennsylvania Avenue, and so I'm familiar with a number of lobbyists in Washington. You had some legendary lobbyists, you know, from Vernon Jordan to you know Boggs, um, you know, the son of the um, former majority leader, and um, but now there's a new king of the hill when it comes to tech lobbying, and it's uh, it's an Englishman named John Oliver. <laughs> um, who has been dubbed the number one tech lobbyist um, based on his um, show um, last week tonight. And um, his rant on um, net neutrality spurred millions of people to com- contact the FCC and overwhelm their servers. And his latest, one of his latest has been on patent trolls. And so what, what, is your, what was your reaction to his rant and how... Um, how much wind does it give to your sales? 
You know, I think it's great. John Oliver has a very unique skill in to be able to translate difficult and complex topics into uh, language that everyone can understand. We saw this with net neutrality, and now we're seeing it with patent reform. And, and as you know, EFF has been working in, in these spaces for a long time, and we are so glad to see someone be able to uh, translate that. Um, you know, we like to think we can do it too, uh, but translate it to an aud- a, a very large audience and and show people why it matters and why why people should care about uh, what Congress is doing and how technology affects their lives. It was great to see uh, John Oliver talk about patent trolls. As, as someone who's worked in this field for several years, uh, it is so great to see that people recognize that there is a problem and we should address it. And I think he, you know, he did it in a very succinct and um, powerful way. And, and the one, getting back to, you know, my, my favorite um, vacation spot of Beaumont, um, <laughs> you know, the, the one thing that, that was, this jumped out at you when you saw that was his, um, the fact that Samsung has actually built, you know, in order to, you know, win favor with potential jurors in this town, has actually built an ice skating rink right across the street from the courthouse. Beaumont, Texas, you know, not exactly your winter wonderland. Yes, it's, you know, that that is a good uh, example of how having 25% of all patent cases in one uh, district can skew the incentives of the parties. And, and we, we think that that is not a good thing. Either that or it's evidence that hell has frozen over. <laughs> you know, as a as a Canadian, I will say that at putting in ice rinks, I'm I'm for it. So <laughs> I wouldn't be against it. So um, we only have a few minutes um, left in the time we have left. Um, if people want to learn more about the EFF's effort in this regard, or if they want to contact you, well, what's the what should they do? Well. Always go visit our website, www.eff.org. Uh, we have a blog that we regularly discuss technology issues, including patent law, and that is our Deep Links blog. And if anybody ever has any questions, if people get a patent demand letter and don't know what to do, uh, we encourage them to email us, info at eff.org. Uh, and we, although we may not be able to help directly, you know, we're a, a small shop here, um, we do have resources and uh, connections that hopefully can find people the uh, help that they need if they do uh, fear, hear from a patent troll. And you, know, you guys have a number of other big issues on your plate right now. Yes, we do. Um, mm-hmm. From, there's obviously, there's the um, TP, you know, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, but what are some of the other big issues you guys are dealing with right now? So we do a lot on privacy and national security work. We help, we have challenged many of the government's uh, actions on um, spying, illegal spying, what we view as illegal spying. On the uh, intellectual property side, we are actively involved in helping uh, protect the internet from uh, claims of, spurious claims of copyright infringement, people who claim uh, copyright infringement in order to take down speech they don't like. Um, We generally, we try and be uh, the public's advocate on the internet. Um, so if the public interest has an interest on the internet, we are trying to be there to uh, help protect it. And you guys are doing a great job. I mean, um, thank you. 
you know, from your work on net neutrality to a number of other areas. I mean, you guys have been on the forefront of a lot of these fights. And so I commend you. Um, definitely check out their blog. Um, I follow it regularly. And um, thanks to Daniel and thank you for coming on. Um, we really appreciate your support for the show and um, for the work that you do. Um, so it's been a pleasure having you. Um, and if people want, what's your Twitter account? Uh, my Twitter is at vrenieri, uh, at v-r-a-n-i-e-r-i, uh, which is, you know, probably not the best Twitter handle to have because it, <laughs> the spelling of my last name is difficult. But there's also EFF's Twitter, which is just at EFF. Um, and we regularly have interesting topics and interesting tweets there. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you. Give my best to everyone there. Um, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back. We'll have news updates and more. Um, you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. Thank you. Thank you. Stay tuned for more of Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Creating a website is not an easy task, and there are so many companies to choose from. How do I know which one is best? It's a big jump making your site mobile-friendly, generating sales, and answering questions with no struggles. If you want to come out on top, you need Frog on Top. At Frog on Top, we take the time to make your site generate money, not just look good. Our team of experts are WordPress savvy, and our customer service is leaps ahead. See why we say our websites are designed better by leaps and bounds by going to frogontop.com. Frog on Top, your one-stop solution for the web. Frogontop.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Do you want to optimize and grow your business? Then master your skills in conversion rate optimization. Sign up for Conversion Conference Las Vegas 2015, happening on May 12th through the 14th. It's Brasco from Webmaster Radio inviting you to the biggest and only conversion conference in the United States this year. Join your colleagues in the world's leading conversion experts, including Tim Ash, Amy Africa, Lance Loveday, Natalie Nahai, plus 40 of your favorite optimizers. Learn to create persuasive content, design landing pages that trigger your visitors to action, and convert blog readers into customers come to conversion conference the conference that pays for itself in no time webmasterradio.fm listeners get a 100 discount on their pass register early and get full access for only 897 dollars when you use discount code wmfm simply register online at conversionconference.com with the code wmfm that's conversionconference.com code wmfm hurry save your seat before they sell out the best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. 
And we're back, and I want to thank her again. Um, she was a great guest and um, very important case in terms of dealing with these patent trolls. And you know, I think even with their victory, you know, given what's happening, you know, the way things are going in the um, Eastern District of Texas, that there you know, probably does need to be some kind of reform. Um, but it's a major victory, and and particularly since you know the the people that the troll was targeting was small podcasters. I mean, that was um, those aren't just business, you know, small businesses. Those are, you know, that's that's speech, and that's you know that's having the effect of minimizing or suppressing people sharing information and other valuable speech that is, you know, the kind of the cornerstone of you know, who we, what we are about. And um, so um, that is what's going on. And so it's very important that we address that. And I, I commend her for her, her work. And, um, and it was great to have her. And, you know, th- um, they've been such a great, um, great supporter of the show. So I, I really appreciate it. And um, I also looked up on the case, and we, we overlooked to, to mention, but the um, the firm handling the um, appeal um, before the USPTO was Greenberg Trog. Um, you know, we've had Ian Ballin on from that firm, and although he was not involved in this case, but just hats off to Greenberg Trog for their work. And um, so um, we have a lot of news to talk about. And uh, as I alluded at the top of the show, um, there is um, some major developments going on in terms of a uh, new round of lawsuits. So after the um, Ellen Powell trial, um, we, we saw what happened was that there were a number of other gender discrimination cases came out involving Facebook and Twitter and some others. And so that this is not going to be an issue that goes away anytime soon. Um, this is an ongoing thing. And, um, and there are a number of reasons why you know, this needs to con- have continued focus. I mean, what the Ellen Powell, tr- Powell trial showed was even though Kleiner Perkins um, escaped liability, there there were still jurors that wished they could send them a message. And so um, that's an issue I think the tech community has to address because um, we're going to continue to have you know, risk exposure as until we allow this to to. Just if we, if we try to sweep this under the carpet, it's not going to work. Um, it, it's, it's been going on too long, um, and some of the stories you hear are just outrageous. And um, so with that going on, everyone, to the extent that people talk about it, will acknowledge that you know, there is maybe some gender issue going on in, in tech. Um, one thing that almost everyone concedes is that there is um, an issue with ageism, and um, and so that needs to be addressed. And so, um, and what's happening now is we're seeing that we're seeing uh, a lawsuit has been filed um, against Google for age discrimination, and um, and so that's probably that could be another. Um, harbinger of another wave of lawsuits, and um, and I would expect this to get not quite the same attention 
as you see on the level of the Alan Powell trial. But that will keep in mind what brought that attention, what brought that bright, hot, white light um, was the fact that she went to trial. So many cases do not go to trial. So to the extent that the Google case uh, or any others that may follow come, um, that could be a major development. And then if it does progress, you may get a lot more attention on this issue. And we actually will probably be having a show on this shortly. Uh, We're talking to one of the major experts who's interested in doing the show. So we'll be covering this in an upcoming edition. But it's a a major issue. Um, Secondly, I want to give both a yell and a shout-out um, first of all, all information about what we're talking about today is on our blog, which is at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. I invite you to check it out. Um, and um, in addition, the um, looks like people, the phones are ringing off the hook, but I apologize for that. In any event, we were talking about uh, Mark Rendaza and his efforts to, in 2013, he um, was instrumental in having the state of Nevada um, pass one of the um, premier, I think, anti-slap laws in the United States. And anti-slap, um, SLAP is an acronym for Strategic Lawsuits Against Public Participation. And what that means is, is there was a time when large corporations were threatening interest groups that were challenging them, particularly on environmental issues, and they would um, say, hey, uh, if you keep saying we're this bad company, bad polluters, bad whatever, bad employers, uh, we'll just sue you. And you know you may ultimately win, but it's going to take years, and you're going to spend about you know, 150% of your budget um, to do so. So um, think twice. And and there was concern that 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 would and maybe even did have a chilling effect on speech. So California passed what was the first anti-slap law that basically says if you file a lawsuit that appears to be in response or retaliation for someone's exercise of their First Amendment right, um, then there is a procedure where the other side can move for um, an, an early review of your, the merits of your case. It's called an anti-slap motion um, to strike. And what, at that point, what happens is um, the party filing the complaint has to present sufficient evidence to show that they have a prima facie case to move forward. Um, it has to be more than a threadbare case. It has to really be a, a prima facie case. And so that has had the effect. And then if they win, if you file that motion and win, you're also entitled to your attorney's fees. And so that has had um, a, a major impact in terms of um, as a um, bulwark against um, frivolous litigation designed to chill speech. And so based on lessons learned in California and other states, Mark um, was able to get the state of Nevada to pass what was considered to be the leading law in 2013. Um, Since that time, there is now a movement this year um, by some um, major business interests to actually roll back the law. And uh, Mark has put up a spirit of defense um, with the Nevada legislature. He's testified before in um, and his testimony actually is on our um, WordPress page. And so um, I encourage you to check that out. 
And if you live in Nevada, um, definitely go to Mark's blog and, and let, let people know what you feel about this because it's an important protection for free speech. And so it should not be, um, it should not be allowed to pass. If, if you live in Nevada, do what you can. Um, allowing people to sue frivolously uh, on matters of speech is really allowing people who have the money and the resources to silence people. And that is not what our system of, of free speech is about. And so um, especially being, being in the media, it's something that we, we obviously is a, a privilege that we are afforded under our system and um, it's something we should not take lightly. So I applaud Mark for his efforts and um, I'm sure we will, we'll be talking to him soon, um, but best of luck to him there. And um, there's also, um, in addition to what's going on there, I just want to say a word about Baltimore. And I actually, in college, did a, a thesis comparing downtown Baltimore and downtown D.C. for um, in terms of uh, urban issues and particularly their redevelopment and mixed use. And Baltimore was the poster child of the comeback city in the 80s. They, uh, they had a, a dumpy, ratty waterfront that they turned into kind of a, a shining gem and become a major tourist attraction. They're a major convention center now. And um, I've learned a lot about the city, and I have family that lives near there. And it, it is a, a, a really solid city. And I think... Um, the press is focusing on you know some of the worst elements that were going on there. Um, I think there's a Baltimore spirit that you're seeing that the press isn't entirely covering um, in terms of coming together, stepping forward, cleaning things up. Um, that's the Baltimore that I know. But in terms of what happened, you know, there is there is a uh, a problem. There is a a, a, f- a sense of injustice that um, is not being addressed. Um, when you have something like what happened in Ferguson where the prosecutor um, refuses to instruct the grand jury um, that it can indict, um, where the system was so mishandled and seemed so stacked in such a way, um, and especially when you had a police department that had this history of def- differential treatment, um, then when you come to what happened in Staten Island um, where people can see on video what happened, um, this man was strangled, and he died. Um, and again, the attorney decides not to do anything, and even worse, he's now running for Congress. Again, nothing happening in Cleveland. You know, a, a young kid is shot. Nothing happens. And then in South Carolina, you know, you see a man shot in the back, and only because someone steps forward with a video does some, something happen. And so there is this sense, and that. Um, there's a, a sense that the, of a, abuse, a sense of um, lack of respect, and regardless of the merits of what happened in this one case in Baltimore, um, that that sense is real and it has to be addressed and it has to be vented. But it, it, vented in violence is not the way to do it. And I'm just mindful of um, the words of Robert Kennedy. And uh, at the time of uh, Martin King was shot and um, how he um, was able to calm people down after in Indianapolis after telling them um, that Martin King had just been shot and that what we 
What we need now is more reason. What we need now is more compassion. And um, you know, today is the anniversary of the riots in Los Angeles. And that, that didn't get us anywhere. And uh, as Rodney King famously said, can't we all get along? And um, important words. And um, so, any event. Um, finally, um, two, two last things. One, I want to give a shout out to a guy named Vic Bloomberg. He's a, a friend of a friend in Boston who, um, turns out, has been studying um, to get a degree in English law online from the London School of Economics. And he's 72 years old. Um, it's been his lifelong dream, and he's been doing it while working full-time. So hats off to you, Vic. Um, keep up the good work. We're all proud of you. And then um, finally, um, tomorrow is the, anniversary of the, the 40th anniversary of the fall of Vietnam. And um, if you know anyone who has served, obviously this may be a, um, a troubling day for them. Or, but in any event, um, just remember that there are many of um, Vietnam vets with us. And um, just given the respect they they just belatedly deserved, uh, unfortunately. But and that's all we have for today. Um, I want to thank our guests for enlightening us on this uh, very technical but um, important issue of the podcast patent and dealing with patent trolls. And I want to thank you for joining us during this show. Um, join us next week and we'll be here with more on the latest of what's going on in CyberWorld. This is Bennett Kelly, the Internet Law Center. Check out our website at internetlawcenter.net and check out our blog here, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com and on Twitter, cyberlawradio. Let us know what you think. We'll see you next week. Courts adjourned. This is Bennett Kelly. Have a great week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.